Good morning. Good to see you here today. Take your Bibles, turn if you would, to Luke chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 35. If you've been praying for winter weather, would you please stop? Well, Christmas is behind us. Every year before Christmas, parents use a very simple but effective behavioral modification argument. We tell children that are not behaving, you better be good or what? Santa will not bring you any presents. Today, we have a reminder found in Luke chapter 12 from the Lord. There is a day coming when he will return. And with his return, both rewards and judgment will be administered. It's a reminder that reward is contingent upon performance. When Jesus left this earth and he ascended back to heaven, the angels spoke to the disciples saying, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who you see taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus spoke off of his return. He told his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 3, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me, that where I am, there may you be also. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament, and Christ's return is mentioned in no less than 318 times in those chapters. Statistically, one out of every 25 verses mentions the Lord's return. In Luke's gospel, we find the first extended teaching on the second coming of Jesus. And here he warns his followers to be ready. The relationship between Jesus' prior words about treasure in heaven and watchfulness is obvious. The one who has his treasure in heaven will be ready and watching for his Lord's return. The one who has his heart set on the treasures of this world will be caught completely unaware at his coming. The problem is that the people of God have been waiting now for some 2,000 years. In spite of the fact that Jesus said that no man would be able to predict the day nor the hour of his return, men have set dates predicting the Lord's return. And each of those dates, in turn, have been wrong, and each has provided an unbelieving world the reason to say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. We try to wait patiently, but the hardest part of waiting is that waiting involves time. And we don't know when the waiting will be over. 
I want to share with you three things from our text this morning. First of all, dealing with crucial preparation. And that is that readiness is expected. Jesus said in verse 35, here beginning a parable called the parable of the faithful servant. He said, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you, yes, you, it's emphatic, you yourselves be like men who wait on their master when he will return for the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may be open to him immediately. Now, he's alluding to a wedding banquet. And such a banquet may consist of only a, a single meal and require only a few hours. But if the host were a person of wealth, the feasting could go on for days. It was impossible then for the servant to know exactly when the master of the house would return. And so when the master would return was anybody's guess. But the uncertainty did not make these servants less vigilant. These servants were truly remarkable. They did not give in to fatigue. They did not display irritation. They didn't develop an attitude. Rather, they kept their light burning and they kept themselves in a constant state of readiness to spring up at a moment's notice to joyously welcome their master home. In the letter to the church at Thessalonica, Paul urges Christians, do not grow weary in well-doing. We cannot give up and stop. We cannot tire and slow down. There's just too much at stake. You must be ready to move when Christ returns. Do not think that you can make preparations then for his coming. What do we say to someone today? That we want to be prepared to join us on some outing. We say, be dressed and ready. Whenever we as Christians take our eyes off of Jesus, we begin to, to slack off. The church will begin to decline. We cannot stop because we are having a spiritual dry moment. We need to be faithful. The following is written about readiness by Oswald Chambers in his book, My Utmost for His Highest. He says, we wait with anticipation of some great opportunity, something sensational. And when it comes, we are quick to cry, here am I. We are not ready when there is a task that is not in the limelight. We are not ready for an obscure duty. Readiness for God means that we are ready to do the tiniest little thing or the greatest big thing. It makes no difference. We have no choice in what we want to do, whether whatever God's program may be, there we are. When any duty presents itself, we hear God's voice, and we recognize that he can put us where he wants in pleasant tasks or menial duties. Be ready for the sudden surprise visit of God. A ready person never, a ready person never needs to get ready. Secondly, I want you to notice that faithfulness is rewarded, beginning in verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and come and serve them. 
So the master is so moved by the faithfulness of his servants. Instead of sitting down at the table to be served, he dressed himself to wait on them. In fact, the same word is used in the original language to describe how those servants were ready to receive the master. He made them to recline at the table, and he served them. And in fact, in just a few short weeks, Jesus will wrap a towel around himself and wash the feet of the twelve as they sat in the upper room. Are we ready? The time was May 9th. 1780. The place was Hartford, Connecticut. The day has gone down in New England history as a terrible foretaste of divine judgment. For at noon, the skies turned from blue to gray, and by mid-afternoon had blackened over so densely that in this religious age, men fell on their knees and begged a final blessing before the end came. The Connecticut House of Representatives was in session. As some men fell down and others clamored for an immediate adjournment, the Speaker of the House, when Colonel Davenport, rose to his feet. He silenced them and said these words, The day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. And if it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. I wish, therefore, candles to be brought. Recognition that we need to continue to serve. Verse 38 says, And he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so. Blessed are those servants. The second watch was the three hours before midnight, 9 p.m. to midnight. And the third watch was the three hours after midnight, midnight to 3 a.m. Though it was late at night, these servants were still dressed and ready for service. That is, they were not only fully clothed, but it says they had their waist girded, which meant they had their long robes tucked into their belts, making it possible for them to move quickly to the door. They had done everything in their power to be ready. This verse reveals the the time of the Lord's return should not be our major concern. What is important is to be prepared and to be living a life of expectancy. Paul describes the way he tried to live his life in the letter to the Philippians when he wrote, My earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body by my life or by my death. The word translated earnest expectation describes straining one's neck to get a glimpse of something ahead. Paul's life was lived in constant expectation of Christ imminent return. In the same letter, Paul later wrote, we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here again with the words eagerly wait, he describes a time of waiting with intense longing and eager expectation. The second thing that we note is a caution that is given. 
in verse number 39. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. There's a strong contrast between two groups of people that are drawn by that very small conjunction, but, in verse 39. In the previous verses, the image was of the master and servant, and it was to encourage faithfulness. The master's return was welcomed, and it comes with a reward. And now the image shifts to that of a homeowner and of a thief, and is intended as a warning to those who live without any expectation of the Lord's imminent return. To these individuals, the Lord's return is not welcome, and his arrival spells disaster. What makes the difference between whether Jesus is seen as a welcome master or a dreaded thief? The difference is relationship. There is a loving bond between the master and the servant. The servant anxiously waits the master's return because of who he is. The homeowner does not know the thief, nor does he want to. He hopes the thief never comes, for his coming produces loss. The apostle Peter wrote to the Christian community because there were some who were mocking the Lord's return. He said, they are saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues as it were from the beginning of creation. And Peter replies, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. But is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Let me summarize what Peter says. The delay in the Lord's return should not be understood as the Lord failing to do what he said. Rather, the delay is an act of mercy. God is giving people a little more time to repent so that they might be saved. Peter reminds us that God fulfills his word. He said there would be a flood that came, and even though there was a delay while the ark was built, the flood came. God said he would bring the children of Israel into the promised land, and there was a delay. But God did what he said he would do. God predicted the exile of Israel and Decades before it actually happened. But it happened. God predicted that he would send a Messiah. And it took a long time. But the Messiah came. God does what he says he will do. He has warned us so that we should be ready. It may seem like a long delay from our perspective. But from the perspective of eternity... It's been a very short delay. And third and finally this morning, the consequences that have to be faced. First of all, Peter, who always spoke up first, 
wanted a clarification. The disciples' minds were reeling with the implications of what Jesus has said. And so in verse 41, Peter asked the question, I think that all of them were thinking, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise steward who his master will make ruler over his household to give them the portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will make him master over all that he has. We will be blessed if we're ready. Those who are ready for Christ's return are not couch potatoes who are just sitting back lethargically, nor are they sitting dates and sitting on the church steps. They are alive and they are active, serving Christ to the best of their ability. Perhaps you're serving in all kinds of community things. You're coaching ball teams and you're serving in the school and all those things are good and they all need to be done. But those are not the things that Jesus will ask you about. Let me tell you that he is going to ask you about what, he, what you have done for him and for his church. The application is made beginning in verse 45, but if the servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and he begins to, to beat the male and female servants and eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and an hour when he is not aware, and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with unbelievers. The entire thrust of Jesus' message can be summed up in just two words. Get ready. Are you prepared for Jesus' second coming? Our Heavenly Father sent His Son to earth the first time to offer all of us who were dead in our trespasses and sin salvation. If we would but ask Jesus into our hearts, if we would ask Him to forgive us of our sins, the risen Lord is still offering salvation to all who will believe in him as Lord. Once we accept him as our Lord and Savior, he places us in a household. And he gives us spiritual gifts and areas of responsibility to spread the good news. In the midst of our service to the Lord, we are called to remain faithful to our Lord by being dressed in readiness keeping alert in the midst of our ministry, knowing that the Lord will return and that when he returns, he will bring blessing to the servants who are faithful and judgment to those who are unfaithful. Let me ask you the question. Are you ready? You sometimes hear someone make a casual remark like, you know, I hope I don't die suddenly. I want to have some time to straighten out some things in my life. And the question that begs to be asked is, if there are some things that need to be done, why don't we do them now? We shouldn't wait until the doctor tells us that we have three weeks to live 
to straighten out our lives. The truth is that none of us knows that we have another three weeks. Let me make it really clear to those of you that are believers. Have you thought even one time this week about the Lord's return? Did it change even one thing that you did this week? Did it change one email that you wrote? Did it change even one priority in your life this week? Did it lead you to repair a relationship this week? Did it cause you to hold your tongue in some situation? Did you think even one time that Jesus is coming again? Let's pray. Father, we can get so wrapped up in the things of this life that we fail to consider that you're coming again. There are so many things that demand our attention, so many things that uh, would keep us from doing what you would have us to do. Lord, I pray you'd help us today. Help us to consider that we are your servants. And as your servants, we should be prepared for your coming. And if the whole thought that you would come again terrifies us, then it should be an indication in our hearts that something's not right. Maybe there is someone, Lord, here today who doesn't know you in a personal, intimate way, and they have no assurance that if they died today, they have a place in heaven. Would you, Lord, speak to them, help them? to understand that they are sinners, just like all the rest of us. And that that sin separates between them and you. But that Jesus has already come, lived a life free of sin, died on the cross to pay the penalty for their sin. And all they must do is accept that payment, recognize that they are sinners, forsake that sin repentance and Lord call upon you to save them help us Lord in this time to look at our own hearts and judge where we may stand with you being ready we ask it in Jesus name amen